He'll be faithful to the end, and we won't have to have microphones to deal with. We get to heaven, everybody will just know what's up. Man, I'm excited about tonight on a few different levels because I just love being in P-Hop. I love being here with, with this family and, and just worshiping God with this body of believers and those who are watching on the live stream. And, and there's just, you know, there's something about being with a group of people who are just on the same page, man. Just radically in love with God and just pursuing the things of his kingdom. And, and I'm here to tell you right now, you know, it's hard to um, it's hard to get to where you really want to go in life with the wrong set of friends. Amen. I'm just, that's that's just that's the life I have lived, man. It's just if I wanted to do bad, I surrounded myself with bad company. Um, but whenever I was tired of doing bad and wanted to live right with God, man, I began to surround myself with people who cared about what God cared about. And I can tell you right now that that I love being surrounded by this group of people. And um, God has great things in store for you, and I believe that was for somebody here tonight. You just need to decide who you want to surround yourself with, who you want to be like, you know, because that's ultimately what you're going to share uh, is, is just who you hang with. And, and uh, you know, when, whenever you become a new creature in Christ, when you are born again, man, just that, things don't taste the same anymore. You know, it's like this, the stuff of the world doesn't have the same flavor. It doesn't have the same luster. It just doesn't taste the same. And, and, and if you're a, one of those uh, Christians that's caught in the middle of, of trying to still hang with the world, but you're a new creature in Christ, you're going to live so frustrated. You know, you just will never really feel satisfied. And, and uh, so I just encourage you, man, that don't be afraid to... Uh, Jump out of the boat of bad relationships because God's got a whole new boat of some great friends for you, man. There you go, in Jesus' name. Would you guys have a great 4th of July? Would you have a good time? Good weekend? Awesome. Um, well, I'm going to just give you one of those disclaimers real quick, man. You know what I'm saying? We can be friends when tonight's over with, even if we agree to disagree. But that's all right. You know, just put your seatbelt on, okay, because they're about to go for a ride. And, um, and, and I just want you to know my heart is never to purposefully offend people, man. The word, man, just taking the word at face value can be offensive. We don't have to add anything to it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I want to talk to you tonight, you know, uh, in, in light of just this weekend and, and thinking about Independence Day and celebrating our independence of our, of our nation God just kind of dropped something in my spirit. Instead of the declaration of independence, I heard the declaration of dependence. That we have to make a declaration of what we're going to be dependent on. You know, we're in a, in a situation right now where a lot of our nation is wanting to be independent of something. Not just a nation of tyranny referring to where we came from, Great Britain. But I see our nation in a time where it is wanting to be independent of something called truth. Truth. And see, I want to come tonight and, and bring something to you prophetic tonight that is not pathetic but prophetic. Come on. I say, man, you know, laughter does good like a medicine. So I'm going to try to give you as much laughter as we can just put the medicine down deep tonight. So, you know, here's, here's what I really, really, really believe that we need to make a declaration of dependence upon God. Jesus Christ as the Messiah, His Holy Spirit, and hear this last word, and His Word. His Word. We are in a time that, that we would 
you know, call a postmodern age. We live in a, we're in a, in a season where we're in a, a postmodern mindset and culture. And essentially, to give you the short version of what that definition essentially means, there are no absolute truths anymore. Morality is situational. <laughs> it, whatever works out for that moment. You know what I'm saying? My morality is based on how I feel right now. There's no real plumb line of truth. And it's so funny because, you know, a brother came up to me uh, and handed me a, a little note of just what he heard three times in his spirit tonight. And he heard three times, Brother Greg heard three times the word holiness tonight. You know, I see, I, I take that kind of stuff serious. He's not sitting by the door back there just, you know, propping the door up. He sits back there and he prays and he listens. And when he hears something from God, he, he brings it to me. And I, and, I, and I just thought how interesting in light of what God had dropped in my heart for tonight that, that God had already spoke this word to someone else to encourage my heart. Amen. That we are in a time where holiness needs to not just be an ethereal concept or a word, but it needs to be something that someone can actually see. That you can behold and see what that looks like. What does a changed life look like? I'm going to tell you something right now. The term Christianity is losing its real power and meaning because it means anything to anybody. It can mean anything that whoever wants it to be. And, you, and I'm not just trying to cheapen the word. I'm really not. I'm going to tell you we're coming into a season where the term Christ follower will have greater significance. Christ follower. Not just Christian. Because, see, there's still people who walk around and say, we're still a Christian nation. My friend, I'm sorry to tell you right now, you must wake up and realize what that means. I have to wake up and realize what that means. God is looking for a people who are called by his name, who will follow in the footsteps of his son. They're called Christ followers. And it's, you know, you read in the, in the, in the New Testament that, Whenever those who were following, it was originally called the way. Those that followed the way. And it was at that time they called them Christians. Because it made sense for that time. But you got to realize that we deal with an unseen enemy who is working his way through culture, society, through language. And he plots, he plans, he schemes in order to somehow bring mixture to the body. Mixture. You know what I'm saying? He wants to convolute and confuse a generation of people. And so whenever I sit down with people and I say, well, are you a Christian? It's, well, you know, they say yes. And then we have to sit down and actually talk about, well, what does that mean? What does that mean to be a Christian? Because, see, it means something entirely different to a community of people at large today. Now, if you go overseas and you are in places where the church of Jesus Christ is under great persecution, that term still has great value and meaning right now because they're having to fight for that identity. You know, someone said one time that, um, he said, you know, America will never really have to endure persecution because every time persecution comes, we just change what we believe so that we don't have to actually face the reality of believing the truth. We just write a new law. And then we feel good. See, this doesn't change because men get together and decide they want to change the law. It doesn't matter. I want to read something to you in light of 
Independence Day, I was doing a little bit of reading and looking at our founding fathers who got together and wrote the Declaration of Independence. And John Adams, one of the chief authors of the, the, the Declaration, made this statement. Listen to this. The second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable epic in the history of America. I would say that's true. He says, I'm apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary and festival. He goes on to say that it will be celebrated through pomp and parade with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires. Come on, South, where's your guns? <laughs> Illuminations, we call them fireworks. From one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward forevermore, the South will get down and dirty. That, I put that in there. He didn't say that. <laughs> but you know what's amazing to me? There's one phrase that he makes in this that I didn't read to you. It comes before everything I just read. He makes this statement first. He says, I'm apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to Almighty God. Now, that's real interesting to me. That we just kind of slide that off the page. And let's have all the pomp and parade and the fireworks and... But see, if you don't remember where you came from, you won't know the trap you're about to step into. If we don't look back and realize how we got to where we are, then we're going to make the same mistake where we're headed. The very, the very thing that he brings to our attention is devotion to God. And I just heard in my spirit, man, we need to make a declaration of dependence to God. A declaration of dependence to Jesus Christ, a declaration of dependence that I need his Holy Spirit to live and dwell inside of me so that I can be a son and a daughter that walk by the Spirit, not my flesh. And I need to make a declaration of dependence to his word. You know, I love the passage of scripture that says that for, for freedom's sake, Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. If you look over here in Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to take you through some scripture tonight. And I'm going to try to go quickly through these passages of scripture because I want you to hear what's in the book. In a generation that is struggling with this concept of truth, where do we get truth from? If we have a generation of people that are that's declaring independence from truth, then what are we going to do? What are we going to hinge our life on? If there are no absolutes, if there is no truth. Galatians chapter 5.13 says, You, my brothers, were called to be free. You, brothers and sisters, those who are watching, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. That's holiness. Interesting you get a decision to make there. You're called to be free, but in your freedom, don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And then he drops down to say, 
this in verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Wow, the list just keeps going. This is one we don't talk about a lot. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, say like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want to read to you also 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Flip over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 9, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen to this phrase right here. And that is what some of you were. See, something happens when you actually are born again. When you have a divine exchange with heaven, when the Spirit of God collides with your human spirit, you are marked. Ephesians would talk about you being sealed with a mark of the Holy Spirit. That you are marked, you are labeled by his spirit bearing witness with you for the inheritance. It's a down payment, a guarantee of an inheritance that is coming. And when I looked at this passage of scripture and he lists off all these things, I want you to hear my, hear my heart so clearly that whenever we have a lot of religious stuff working in our minds and our hearts and judgmentalism and the spirit of religion working in us, we like to pick out uh, one or two of those that we want to highlight because we actually fit in the category of one of those other ones. So if I actually highlight what somebody else has got going on in their business, it kind of keeps the spotlight off my business. It's like, you know, uh, the, the issue of the gay, lesbian, transgender community right now, man, it's like, let me, let me tell you what's going on. you got people freaking out all over the country. Some are full of fear. Some are full of hate. Some are full of all kinds of issues. And I want to talk to you tonight, the difference between reacting and responding. There's a big difference. The Bible said that some of them used to live that way. Used to. You were like that. It says Jesus set us free. Free from what? Free from the bondages of sin. Jesus went to the cross to deliver humanity of something called sin, not behavioral modification. Not for behavioral modification. He went to the cross 
to deal with the issue in humanity that was called sin. There is no way to crucify the flesh except by the power of the Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit take this truth and use it as a scalpel in your soul to prepare you for works of righteousness. Now, why am I speaking this way? Because I'm going to tell you something. We've got a generation of people who actually don't know what this book says. So if you want to deceive a generation, take this out of their hands, stop reading it, and then you'll believe whatever your leaders tell you instead of knowing what the truth says for yourself. I'll just let my pastor tell me, no, you're going to go to a bad place if you just wait for your pastor to tell you. You're going to get into a bad place if you're just depending on political leaders to guide you. I was so impressed Saturday morning with over 40 men gathered in this room willing to pray and seek God together. I believe something shifted just because of that act of obedience. I look around this room and I see the men who were up at, at 5.30 in the morning to be here by 6 a.m. Got here at 6 a.m. and some people have been here since 5 a.m. before we ever got here. That's what's stirring inside of people. People are sensing something is off and something's got to change. I want to talk about the difference between reacting and responding Reacting is what happens when you're caught off guard. See, reactionary behavior is, wow, the Supreme Court gave a ruling that I didn't think was going to happen, so now I'm angry. Oh, the Supreme Court or this law got passed, and so now I'm, I'm going to be, you know, full of uh, you know, hatred or, or I'm going to, maybe now I'm fearful. What's going to happen now? See, when you're caught off guard, you react with different issues of your soul, fear, anger, hatred, bitterness. Uh, maybe you, you, you hide away. The difference with people who are responding is they are prepared and they knew what was coming before it came. It's like a person that works as an EMT. They have never maybe been to the wreck that they're about to come up to, but they've been spending years preparing for that moment that they show up and their guts are spilling. They're not reacting to that situation because they have been preparing for years to bring the answer to the problem. See, when you have a, a nation full of people that are reacting to laws and politicians and this and that, we're not responding with truth. Because if we had known the truth, we wouldn't be at all swayed. We would be ready to respond. I want to read to you something out of 2 Timothy. Flip over there. I'm going to tell you something. Look, I'm, I'm down for iPads, I'm down for Bibles on phones. I think it's awesome. Get you a physical book. Get you a physical book and grab a highlighter and go through it and mark it up. I'm serious. 
Something happens when you listen to the rustling of the pages and you're seeing so much in context and you're not looking at a little screen like this and getting the verse of the day. But that's like putting 50 cents of gas in your tank thinking you're going to go 10 miles. You would be stuck on the side of the road saying, hey, but hey, will you, you help me out? Asking somebody to get you some gas. Like the virgins with oil. Say, hey, give us some of your oil. And say, sorry. You better get your own oil. Because he's coming. With fire in his eyes and a sword on his side for a bride that he's jealous for. See, we can't actually give it to you anyway, even if we wanted to. It can only be purchased by a price of you sitting with him. Listen to what this says right here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit clearly, say clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That's what that is. <laughs> you know what? I'm not here to scare anybody into anything. You want me to tell you what I want? What, where, where my heart is tonight? It's like you know what? We need to we need to get into a little bit of spiritual boot camp for just a moment. We need to recognize that we are not just kind of bumping through life. We need to actually prepare ourselves, be sober-minded, stop reacting, and begin to respond because we know what the truth says. The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. What are deceiving spirits? Deceiving spirits are those spirits that come to you and tell you that bad is good. A deceiving spirit is something that comes to you and tries to massage into your mind and your heart that this thing over here is okay. When the Bible explicitly says that it's evil. Are you tracking with me? Deceiving spirits that are taught by demons. Now, if I don't read this in the book, when things begin to happen, what's going to happen? I'm going to react to the problem, and all of a sudden, I'm dealing with fear and anxiety and confusion. Whenever I happen to glance on Facebook, and I see Christians endorsing and okay with lifestyles that are not biblical, and I'm not sitting here trying to harp on one thing because here's what I saw over here. We got liars, cheaters, and deceivers going on too. And we don't really spend a lot of time talking about all the fornication that's been going on in church either. We don't want to talk about all the pornography that happened this past week. And so here's the reality check. The reality check is the Holy Spirit is coming to deal with his bride. He's coming to clean his girl up. And he uses these circumstances to get us there. I want you to flip over to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
This is verse 12. In fact, oh, hold on. Actually, let me back up here for just a second. Look at verse 1. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Somebody say terrible. Okay. It does not have to be terrible for you. No, you need, you need to catch the flavor of where I'm going with this. It does not have to be terrible for a follower of Jesus. That's what he says. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian and I, I, I support building abortion clinics. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I either love what God loves and hate what he hates or I need to examine myself to see if I'm actually of the faith. I need to actually examine myself to see if I'm born again. Verse 12 says this. In fact, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But I find it interesting. It does not say everyone who calls himself a Christian will be persecuted. But everyone who wants to live godly in Christ will be persecuted. So I'm handing this to you tonight for a reason. Because I'm tired of us coming up to the accidents on the street reacting instead of actually being able to give an intelligent response. Actually being able to love people and give truth in love without allowing bitterness, anger, hatred, and that gnarly, nasty stuff to go on. I'm read this next part here. Verse 13. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you have, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation and through faith in Christ Jesus three things here first continue in what you have learned continue 
in what you've learned. Don't take a spiritual truth and because culture is shifting, decide I'm just going to hang that on you know, the shelf somewhere. It has no value. No, take what you have learned and hold on to it. Secondly, he says, you know, be convinced because you know who you have learned it from. Paul told the churches, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We need to know each other. You know what we've gotten really good at is we've been able to hide and our lives really not be transparent. And you follow someone because you see them on TV, but you don't know them. You cannot give an account to how they treat their, their wife or their children or how they operate in their city. We need to be in relationship with those that we're following. I love it when I sit down and drink coffee with people or go have lunch or go surf with some friends and, and they get to see me at my best and they get to see me at my worst and they get to see somebody who is living for God and not trying to like be fake about it. And this world is needing to see brothers and sisters in Christ doing it for real. Not just shouting hallelujah and getting charismatic, man. But actually being able to walk this walk and talk this talk. And here's the third thing he said right here that just, it gripped me. Which is why I said we need a declaration of dependence upon the scriptures. He says they knew the scriptures from their infancy. In a generation of people, in a postmodern generation of people that, that really have no, no absolutes, um, let, let me tell you something. It's going to be real important that you know the scriptures. It's going to be real important that you actually take the time to read what's in the book. Because, see, if you don't know what's in the book, then somebody can come tell you it's in the book, and you're just going to go along with it if you don't investigate it. I have no problem with people coming to me. I don't, do, I don't debate and argue anymore. I used to do that years ago as a young theologian guy out of, you know, seminary, and I used to argue scripture. I don't argue anymore, but I don't have a problem sitting down unless just breaking bread and looking at truth together. We need to wrestle with truth. We need to actually read the word. If you're not actually reading this word, then you are susceptible to a deceiving word. I hope this is making sense. Why is knowing the word so critical and so important? I'm about to just really draw a really straight line for you here in just a second. Turn over to 1 John. First John chapter 1. Here's a little side note while y'all turning there. I love hearing the pages go. Let them go. Let go, Lord. <laughs> Wake your wife up in one of them pages, just wrestling. Like, That's my man. Get your word. That way, when I get up, you'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
you know, during this time of man up. It's just going to be awesome, men, getting up, showing up here to pray together at 6 o'clock in the morning every Saturday for the next two months. And your life's going to be different. Your family's life will be different. You know, Tony, we, Tony and I were talking, you know, that we kept hearing Gideon's army, you know, has been spoken over our ministry for a long time. And Tony had kind of this revelation that hit him, man, this, this past Saturday. He was like, you know, we've been hearing about this number 300. And he kept thinking maybe it's 300, like just our church size or something like that. The building the building is, you know, we'll, we'll you know, seat 300 comfortably. And, and, um, and then all of a sudden it dropped on him. 300 men. But not just 300 men. 300 praying men. Dude, I just got ghosted. It just happened. It just, got, it just hit me. Chicken skin. You know it must have been from the Lord. <laughs> All right, First John. First John. Let's, let's, let's get back into the Word. First John, chapter one, verse five. Listen to this. This is the message we have heard from Him. Who is Him? From Jesus. Okay. So this this is firsthand source here. And declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, there's your holiness, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, that's awesome. That's good. Look at what happens here in verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we claim to be without sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Guys, this is not an issue that's just a political issue. This is an issue of are we going to call things what God calls things? See, the only way sin can be forgiven is if we actually acknowledge something as sin. If I do not agree with God, then what am I going to agree with? If I do not have absolute truth, if this is not absolute truth, then what do I build my life upon? If all of a sudden I have no absolute truth, there's no absolute moral truth in life, then let me, let me just kind of walk through a few scenarios with you for just a moment. Why is it that we take murder to be a universal truth, that murder is not okay? That it's not okay for me just to come and take your life, David? What about stealing? Is it okay for me just to come and 
You know, I'm, you may not have a whole lot right now. You young guy, you want to serve the Lord, go to the mission field, Iraq, do all those awesome things for God, but I decided to come take your only shirt that I know that you have right now. <laughs> but I come to steal from Kyle. Is Kyle going to be really down with that? Probably not. Why is it that we have things like cheating? You know what? Teachers, I, I really just feel like cheating is, should be on the table. I really do. I really feel that there are no absolute truths, and so I'm going back to college, and I'm looking for an A. Even though I'm operating on, you know, a D level, but, but you know what? I want to be at A level, so, you know, I'm just going to take me a little paper in there with me. Because there are no absolute truths, right? Do you see how this slippery slope begins to fall apart? How do we build a nation of people if we have no truth? God is not at war with our government. He's not. The Bible says he sits up in the heavens and he laughs at the nations that would conspire against him. He is not concerned. This is a chess game he has already won from the beginning. It's checkmate. But you and I are here trying to figure things out as it's playing out in real time. Murder, stealing, lying, cheating, sex outside of the context of marriage. You know, we don't really like to dive into those kind of conversations. But those are exactly the kinds of conversations that Jesus went to the cross for. Here's the problem. When I read 1 John, he says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We have to make a declaration that we're going to be dependent upon truth. Are we going to be a people that seeks truth? Because if we seek the truth, then the truth will set us free. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? In a nation that has begin the process of seeking independence from absolute truth, there is a danger of destruction. Our founding fathers, John Adams, even recognized that it must be commemorated that a day of deliverance happened because of Almighty God. How do you and I begin to practically begin to turn the tide on this particular situation? We decide that we will be spirit-led sons and daughters who want truth. We want truth more than we just want to feel good. I want truth more than I just need another prophecy. I need truth more than I need another goosebump.
This may be a shock to some of you, and maybe for some of you it will not be. There are people in this country that don't even know why we celebrate July 4th. They don't even know why we have the pomp and parade and the great eliminations. They don't even know what country we left. Please hear my heart here for just a moment. While people are arguing and bickering over Confederate flags and rainbow flags and Supreme Court justices' opinions about laws. Friends, we have people who are dying and going to hell. And at the end of the day, the Bible says those who choose to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Not because we get arrogant and religious and prideful, but because we're like Stephen in the Bible who was just out telling people the truth, doing the beautiful works of God, healing the sick, casting out devils, tearing down religious strongholds, telling people that Jesus loves them and washing people's feet and loving on them. Because see, people are just the vessels that Satan himself works through. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is spiritual. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We can't go to blows with each other. We have to get on our knees and cry out to a holy God who can save us. That's the only thing that's going to change a nation. The only thing that's going to get the devil out your house is when you cry out to God. The only thing that's going to get the devil out of our nation is when a nation of people humble themselves and cry out to God. When we care more about truth than we care about football games, that we care more about truth than did he actually get that one yard. We care about truth more than we care about the, the, the freaking basketball. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I got to be this confronting tonight. But while we are distracted with games, the enemy's not playing games with our sons and daughters as he puts them in bondage. And our nation is falling apart because sons and daughters don't know who they are anymore. Somebody's going to die for this man. I'm telling you. Somebody's going to stand up and decide being a Christian really means being a Christ follower. And tomorrow, I won't lie to my boss. I won't cheat on my wife with pornography. I'm not going to run around and just do what I've been doing. I'm actually going to live the truth and not a lie anymore. And if you want to live that life, then I ask you to stand with me tonight and to pray with me. If you're not interested in that, then please don't go to this church. Because there's a bunch of other ones you can go to. Come on. Come on. Man. I don't hate gay people. I can't tell you how many times I've 
prayed with brothers, man, who are struggling in their sin. You don't have to be afraid to come confess your sin when brothers will pray with you. Sin knows to control your life whenever it's come to the light. You just have to be afraid of sin that you don't want to be confronted by the love and blood of Jesus. That's the one that will kill you. See, people are afraid that they're going to be exposed. And they're too afraid to stand up and preach the truth and to stand and declare the truth because they're worried about people finding dirt on them. Let me go and tell you, I'll get to the front of the line. I got dirt on my life, but that's what the blood of Jesus was for. You want to go digging in my past? Go for it, Doc. I've got the blood that's covered everything I've ever done. You can dig all you want. It doesn't matter anymore. We're not here to look at people and judge those outside the church. The Bible says judge yourself first. Judge within the body first. Then we'll see more clearly how to steer those outside the church. You know what you'll find yourself doing? When we get that log out of our eyes, man, you'll see that person who you is hurting. And you'll figure out a way to take a nail in your hand for them. You'll figure out how to take a spear in your side for them. What is that called? That's called being crucified with Christ. Laying your life down for others as Christ laid his life down for you. Father, I pray that you would move. I pray that you would move on us with a great revelation of truth. I pray that we would have a declaration of dependence upon God the Father and His Son and the Holy Spirit and Your Word. And I pray, God, that You would raise up 300 praying men who would give themselves over to fasting and praying and they will pick up this book and they'll wash their wife with the word and they'll wash their children with the truth. And Lord, I pray right now that when the enemy uses people to attack us, we will not throw the spear back because we're not going to react. We're going to respond. Because we've been prepared that this day was coming. We knew it was coming. And we were ready for this wreck on the highway. If your heart has been troubling you because of the things you've been watching on the news. If your heart's been troubled because of conversations you got in with people. And you feel like, man, my conversation went in a bad direction. And I don't want my heart filled with that stuff. Lift your hands, man, and just ask God, cleanse my heart. Cleanse my mouth, cleanse my mind, that you're going to walk out of here with a renewed sense of purpose, that you're going to walk out of here, you're going to love people tomorrow and next week. It doesn't matter what kind of conflict they come to you with, Jesus has an answer. He said, I'll make you as wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. Jesus knew how to navigate through every religious conversation. Jesus knew how to deliver his disciples when people wanted to kill him. I'm here to tell you right now. Every single one of our days are numbered. But the question is, what are you going to do with the day that you've been given now? Because I'm telling you, you don't know about tomorrow. All you have is your now. What are you going to do with it now? Because see, we're all living for one day. You're living for the day that you stand before him. And you give an account of what he gave you on the earth. And in that moment, the only thing you're going to want to hear, well done, Mike. Well done, son. Well done, daughter.
well done. You obeyed. You did what I asked you to do. Lord, I pray right now that the spirit of truth would invade our hearts. I pray that the spirit of truth would fill us. I pray that, that whenever we open our mouths, that we don't have to premeditate what we were going to say because the spirit of truth has been living inside of us and truth comes out of our mouth. I'm going to leave this final thought with you guys. And then we'll just uh, let you guys go do what y'all do after. Be out. you to think about this picture for just a moment. Did you think about if you were overseas in a foxhole with a friend and you were under great enemy fire. Bombs blowing up all around you and in that moment, you're thinking about your kids back home because you got that photo in your front pocket. And you're thinking about your wife that maybe you might not get a chance to kiss her again and smell the fragrance of that perfume that you love and smell. And you're in that foxhole trying to fight for something called freedom. And you got your eye trained on the enemy, man. You got the crosshairs. And you're trying to do the best you know how to do. And you've already taken a little bit of casualties. You've already taken a few hits. And you look over to your side. And your buddy who's supposed to be catching your back has a freaking Game Boy in his hand. Playing Nintendo. He's got his iPad in his hand. He's watching a movie. take your hand and punch him in the throat and say get in the flipping game son live the game stop playing a game yes there is a call yes there is a duty and it's not on a TV screen it's right here right now for any man and woman who has the guts to sign up. God, I pray, Father, for a generation of men and women and children who will not shrink back because of political persuasion. They will not shrink back because of family persuasion. They will not shrink back because of chaos in the earth. But God, I thank you right now that there are sons and daughters who are coming to the fullness of their identity tonight. And those watching on the, the internet tonight, you're coming into your fullness. You're going to get the word out. I'm telling you, I see a people that's eating the scroll again. I see a people that's devouring the word again. I see a people that Bible study is not something for old people. But Bible study is something for a follower of Jesus Christ. I see sons that are 15 and 16 saying, Dad, I'm not eating lunch today because I'm going to eat the Word today. Man, I'm telling you, there is a generation who is going to rise up and live for Jesus Christ. Are you that generation? Are you that generation? Do you want to be that generation? Are you going to let somebody come in and just take it all away and do nothing? I refuse to do nothing. 
God got it done with Gideon with 300. He didn't need 32,000. Oh, Father, I repent and I pray, God, that you would use infallible, broken people to see a third great awakening happen in this nation. I pray that the founding fathers of this nation would be a part of those cloud of witnesses that somebody would fear fire in their belly again. I pray, God, for great leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King who actually stood for justice and righteousness. He was a prophet to our nation. God, I pray, Father, for the white church, the black church, the Hispanic church, the Korean church. I pray, God, for your church to come together, to come together. One of my favorite movies of all time, imagine this, Braveheart. You wanna know why the English whooped the Scotland's butt? For one reason, part of the Scottish sold themselves out and they didn't unite the clans. And that's just like the church in America right now. Let me tell you something. The day we decide we're going to put down our petty differences and we come together and we decide everything in the book is for me. Black, white, red, yellow, green, I don't care what you are. I don't care what your denomination is. But the day we decide that we're not going to be pushed around by denominations anymore. We're going to be led by the Word of God. And we decide that we need each other. That's the day the enemy is lost. Ground. You cannot stop the sleeping giant called the Church of Jesus Christ. You cannot stop her. You cannot stop her. So what do you do with that when you walk out of these doors? Instead of being negative about another church here in town, you start praying for every church in town. Instead of the church down the street that doesn't believe just like you believe, doesn't matter. Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. He died for your sin? Yeah. Then let's get on our faces together. Our country needs work. Our country needs work. That's what we need again. And we can either do that because we decide that we see it coming, or God will continue to allow things to play out to force our hand. 300 or so folks that gather here, I encourage you. Let's don't wait till our hand is forced. Let's decide tomorrow. Let's decide tonight that I'm not going to sit in the foxhole playing the game anymore. I'm in there to win this battle. I'm here to win this war. Can we give God a huge shout of praise right now? thank you. Let's just together, let's pray for God's church in America. God, we pray for the church of the United States. God, we pray that we will not be fractured any longer. We will not be fractured any longer. We're going to find the place that you've called us to fit in. We're going to find our place in the body and we're going to be in that place and we're going to do it with all of our heart. God, I pray that our differences will no longer divide us. As your word says, a house divided against itself will not stand. God, I thank you 
that the church of Jesus Christ in America is rising. And God, I thank you that your voice shall be heard in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys, man. Have a good night. I know we went a